So this morning, uh, we're going to be diving into maybe, maybe one of my favorite prophecies from the Old Testament, and probably Ezekiel's most well-known prophecy of all. It's the Valley of Dry Bones. Uh, it's kind of an unsettling passage at the beginning, but it ends with the hope and enjoyment uh, for us and for the people of Israel who are living during Ezekiel's time. Before I read the passage, I want to kind of set the stage, kind of give you um, kind of the lowdown of what is Israel was dealing with at this time. If you read in previous chapters in 35 and 36, you see that Israel, the people of God, are not looking like the people of God. There's multiple kingdoms. Some are enslaved. They're separated. They're doing things they're not supposed to be doing as people of God. And Ezekiel is called to be a prophet during these times. He's called to go out and speak truth, to bring the people of God back to the way they're supposed to be, to show God's love and mercy, but also to talk about the judgment and to talk about their reality of where they are in. In chapter 36, God even mentions that the people of Israel are defaming his name, or in other words, running God's name through the mud. You see, as people of God, as the church of God in Israel, they are image bearers, right? Anything they do reflects on the one that they say they follow. As people of God, they, when they're living in a way that they shouldn't be, people around them, when they see them, they don't see, uh, they may not understand that they aren't living the right way. What they see is, oh, this is how their God wants them to live. And so in living in a way that's not righteous and living in a way that God has not called them to runs the one they are called to show the image of through the mud. And so this is where Ezekiel is. He sees his people not living how they're supposed to. He sees his people despairing. They know this isn't supposed to be the way it is. They no longer have a king, at least a Davidic king on the throne, and it's scary to them. They feel like the promises of God are missing, and they don't know if their God can even hear them. And so Ezekiel, it says, is, is taken up and he's brought to this valley, and that's where our passage pulls up. So if you have a Bible, follow along with me. And if you don't have a Bible with you, I encourage you to close your eyes. Don't fall asleep, but close your eyes and just picture this passage. Uh, It's very descriptive, and I think it's important to hit with the weight of what the valley looks like, but also hit with the weight of what God promises. So this is chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. Uh, Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 37. You're welcome. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them roundabout, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, 
and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these are the bones of the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. You know, every week when when Pastor Tommy preaches, he always asks a question at the beginning. And I thought about doing the same thing, but then I realized Ezekiel um, already gets asked a question. And so that's kind of the question I think we should all start by thinking about is, can these bones live? You see, Israel is kind of laid out as these bones themselves. Ezekiel, I think, realizes the imagery, the the contrast. These people he's living with, these people he's uh, ministering to, He hears their complaints. He hears them saying they feel cut off, that they feel like dry bones, that they feel like they're in their graves and there's no hope for them. And so Ezekiel's walking around these bones, probably kicking some, and God asks him this question, can these bones live? And if it was me, I think I would instantly say no, because they're bones. It's pretty obvious. Doctors, even nowadays, thousands of years in the future, can't bring bones back to life. But I think Ezekiel has a better understanding of who is God. He knows his God is the God of creation. He knows his God is a God who is bringing life to those who are dead. And Ezekiel answers this question with such a profound way, and only you know, Lord. You see, Israel, when they were living the way they were, they, they thought God's plan was kaput, right? The people of Israel knew God's promises. All the way back in Abraham, God promised that, that this people would become a great nation. He promised to David that there would be always someone on the throne of Israel, that there would always be a king and it would always come from his line. And the people of Israel were standing amidst this division, this disunity, this unknowing where the the next day would bring them and they didn't see any hope they didn't think god's promises were going to be fulfilled and so they started living and started uh falling away from how god's image calls us to live i've been actually going with the students about how what it means to be an image bearer of god and what it calls to be being an image bearer doesn't mean we get to physically look like god right but rather that through our actions and how we love and our mercy and how we treat others, we are called to live as Christ. We are called to run to be more like our Savior, more like our God and our King. And that is how we pursue being the image bearers we are called to be. 
a really good, I think, illustration for what the people of Israel were doing is one I was told a few weeks ago. And the story goes that if somebody broke into your house, and let's say you have lots of pictures on your walls with you and your family, and you took a black Sharpie and drew little horns in your head or maybe colored out your eyes or colored in your teeth and then left, and you came home and you saw just your face was covering these little Sharpie marks, you wouldn't instantly think, ah, oh, someone broke into my house and really had a problem with photography. You wouldn't think he had a problem with the glass or the picture frames. No, he had a problem with you, with the image of you. Although this image wasn't physically you, it represented who you were. And as people of God, we are called to live as Christ did. We are called to pursue holiness. We are called to pursue um, what God has called us to uh, live as, to live as those who love, to live as those who show mercy. And it's hard sometimes, and we fail sometimes, but we can cling to the cross and we can cling to God and know that in the end of the day, he makes up for it. See, Israel's situation in the book of Ezekiel, I think, mirrors a lot of the times, at least how I feel, that I know the promises, I know the scripture works and everything, but life can be hard sometimes. I think this past year, it can feel like you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. How can God's mercy, God's plan work through this? A few days ago, I lost my grandmother, and she was the most amazing woman um, I ever knew. And for a brief second, I doubted who God was, and I didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. But it was funny because I have to preach this sermon today about the dead coming back to life. That this woman who, who did her best to live as Christ called her to do, she's in the grave right now, but one day she won't be. The people of Israel in this situation felt like people who are in their graves without hope with no ability to come back out of life but brothers and sisters i come before you today and ezekiel came before his people to tell you that god's plan for salvation is still happening that this world no matter what happens no matter what we throw at it we can't change god's plan for this world or for each and every one of our lives that his sovereignty his uh, strength the way he rules the world can't be undone by humanly means can't be done by kings or anything else that god's power is enough to even bring bones back to life and ezekiel is shown this in a very visceral very uh, touchable palatable way with these bones right he's walking around and he sees a physical manifestation of what he feels like his people are dealing with they're dead they're these dry bones he's kicking them and then God tells him to prophesy. Not just, not just uh, try to attempt to build them himself. He's not told by his own power to try to put these bones back to life. I'm sure Ezekiel couldn't even tell what femur went to which ribcage or however the bones in the body work. <laughs> but rather, Ezekiel was called to speak God's word, God's holy word to these bones. Because Ezekiel came to realize, and I think we as a people know how powerful God's word is, that it's not something that we get to, um, it's not something rather that is not good for spiritual growth, but rather it is a nourishing soil and it can bring life from death. And so Ezekiel speaks it and he doesn't only just see these bones come back to life and the skin and the flesh, it's really disgusting if you think about it. I'm sure Ezekiel thought about it a lot. 
And he probably heard the rattling. It says there was a rattling, uh, these bones clinking together quickly. But I'm sure also as he saw this, he, at least I do when I read this passage, I tear up. Because isn't that what God does for us as sinners? As we feel like we're dead in our trespasses, God comes into our lives and creates us and makes us new. Christ talks about this in the New Testament. Somebody comes up and he's like, how do I become a Christian? How do I follow you? How am I saved? And he said, you must be born again. He's not talking about a physical being reborn. He's talking about a spiritual rebirth. That we as, as people are dead apart from God's grace, apart from his love. And so he, God enters into us and creates in us something new. And from there, we pursue holiness. We pursue becoming more like Christ, becoming more like that image we are called to be. And I wonder if this passage in Ezekiel, while we were reading it, brings up any other Bible stories in your head. Especially one maybe in Genesis, maybe at the beginning, where God is, speaks life into a black void, into a chaotic nothingness, and creates life. And at the end of that creation, he creates who? He creates us, people. He creates Adam and Eve, and they're created, and they're this perfect image, and then they fall. But Genesis 3.15 promises that there will be one who comes who crushes the head of the servant, serpent. And that promise, the people of Israel are still waiting on that. They're still waiting for the serpent's head to be crushed. And Christ, who I'll talk about in a second, who died on the cross, was the one who crushed the head of the serpent. He was the one who defeated death for us. That God's grace reigns supreme that God's plan isn't stopped even by death, even by Adam and Eve, and Eve seemingly imposing and messing up God's plan for all of creation. God's plan still works through. If you read the entire Bible, which I encourage you to do, but it'll take a long time, uh, you can constantly see God's plan being worked out, that even when people fall away, God's plan pushes forward, and God shows love and mercy to his people, and he constantly builds them up and forgives them and loves on them and pushes them forward. That God's word is powerful. His plan isn't being undone. And you're like, Reuben, this is a really cool sermon about these people in Israel so long ago. I get that they came from the dead and now they're risen again. That Ezekiel, as the vision is explained at the end, uh, will preach to them and be like, hey, God's promises are still true. God's promises will still happen. But how does that work with today's day and age? We have Jesus, we, we have um, the Bible, the whole word. What can we truly pull from this other than that it's really cool that it points to who Christ is? And I think there's a number of things that our application from this passage um, is a lot deeper than maybe what surface level, at least the first time I read it as I took it. You see, I think for a long time we forget, or at least I do at times, forget that I was once the, like those dry bones. That apart from God's grace, those dry bones are, are me. That I'm without life. That, that, this, that I am without hope. That I'm despairing. And it's hard. And it, it was hard for a long time not being a Christian. Um, and God's word come, came into my life and changed my heart. And made me live. And I think this question God asked, can these bones live, can it be very applicable today as we look out into our world word, and as we look out into a world that may not know who God is? 
You can look out and you see people who maybe um, don't directly emulate what you believe to be a Christian. Or maybe you see people and you say there's no way that God's word, uh, his promise can't be extended to that person. They're too far gone. But I want you to reflect on the passage that the very beginning of this passage where Ezekiel says only you know God. That God's word, if he can even bring skeletons back to life, they couldn't walk or anything and then became an exceedingly great army with breath in them. How much more can he do for those of us we interact with every day? The non-Christians we, we deal with. The, the people in our lives who, who maybe feel like they're with despair and without hope. I know this past year has brought me a lot of despair, a lot of time without hope. But I, could, I know I can cling to God, that this God we serve um, brings that hope and brings that joy. That his plan is coming to fruition. We can take comfort in that. We can take comfort who God is and what he's done. And that as image bearers, we glorify God's name at the end of the day. That in the Gospels and in the New Testament, we see God's plan come to fruition. We see Christ who lived a perfect life and who died for us. And that even though he's up on the cross and people are chastising him and mocking him, uh, we sing a song sometimes that says, Ashamed to hear my mocking voice called amongst the scoffers. And Jesus didn't uh, say they're too far gone. Rather, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That this gospel message is for everyone. That this gospel message is for, for all of us, because at the end of the day, apart from God's grace, we are stuck in our graves. But God promises, have hope that God promises to pull us up out of our graves, that we come to new life, and that within that we get to pursue what it means to be an image bearer, that we get to live as Christ has called us to live. And what does God call us to do? What does Jesus say is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, strength, mind, and soul, something like that. (laughs) And what's the second one? To love your neighbor as yourself. As Christians, we're called to go out and to love our people and our world and our community and our state and our country and everything in between. And how do we show them love? How do we show them that grace and that mercy? It's by showing them God's love, showing them God's mercy, bringing them God's word, this word that's powerful enough to bring bones back to life. And it's exciting. It should excite you. I'm going to end on two short stories And the first one is one you've probably heard before, and the second one you probably haven't. The first one is about a guy who lived a long time ago, and he persecuted Christians. He was their direct enemy. He would pull them out of their houses and put them in prison, even sentence some to die. But then he was approached in a vision by a guy named Jesus on a road to Damascus. And he became this amazing missionary who reached out the lost and the despairing. He gave them the hope of the gospel. This man who was named Paul, or who was named Saul, and became Paul because of God's ever-loving work in his heart. His word hit Saul's heart so much it changed him to become a new creation, and he pursued Christ fervently, so much so we have books of his that he wrote right here in this Bible. And the second story is one that I hope is encouraging to you to live as Christ has called you, to live as one sent, to live as those who love uh, the Lord God, to live as image bearers. 
And this story happened about 15 years ago. A good friend of mine who I met, he had recently become a Christian when I was in college. And he always would tell his testimony really quick. And this is how he would say it. He would say, when I was a teenager, I was the most anti-God person you could meet. That, that I, I stood um, <laughs> at the foot of God and fought him with every breath I could. But I constantly uh, could never get a leg up. And one day I met a guy, and he was my only friend, and he loved this guy named Jesus, and it didn't make any sense to me. You see, I, my, my friend, he's, he would say he's with, he was without hope. He, he didn't know what the next day would bring, and that's what brought him so much grief. And so he lashed out in so many ways. But his friend, who was a Christian, just loved him, just hung out with him. He didn't beat him over the head with, with the Bible. He didn't invite him to church or to a Bible study or a fellowship thing. And then one day, my friend didn't, his, his Christian friend didn't show up to school. And he asked around, and he found out his buddy, his one friend in the whole wild world, died in a dirt biking accident. And so he dived into God's Word, this book that his friend loved so much, in hopes that his friend was wrong, because my buddy knew where he was going, where he deserved to go. But in reading God's Word, his life changed. And I'm not, he, he still uh, looks the same, still dresses the same, still enjoys the same movies and the same TV shows, but his heart shifted. That he stopped focusing on himself and who he was and rather wanted to show love and grace to those around him. Instead of being scared that tomorrow wouldn't happen, he got excited about tomorrow because he knew it would be another day he could share the love of God. Another day where he could see this rattling take place where he could watch flesh come back on bones and life be breathed anew into people's lives. And so as you go from this place in your weeks, in your days, in your months, in your years, especially um, in this chaotic world we feel like we're living every day, know that God loves you, that his plan is happening, he is working, God listens to us. We see it in Ezekiel that he knows what his people are complaining about. He says the people feel like they're despairing, they feel like their bones are dried up. And then he tells Ezekiel to preach this message of hope, that even death won't stop God's love and God's work in our lives. So go and live as image bearers, live as one sent, and preach the gospel and love people well.